Well, hello, hello and welcome, welcome to, to Get, Get Informed, Informed America, America, the show, the show that, breaks that breaks through the mainstream media, media box, box to bring you real smart news. Hi, I'm Dave Ovalist, and joining me is the smartest man I know, and who is thankfully the editor of Informed America, Mr. Rodney Johnson. Rodney, thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely, Dave. Good to be here. Uh, uh, Rodney, you got a little bit of a change in scenery there. there. I like, I like the, the new digs in the office. Yeah, we're trying to change it up a little bit, you know, kind of see how it looks. You might notice it's pretty much the same color. It's just a different room. <laughs> well, it, well looks it looks absolutely, absolutely fantastic. fantastic. I like that I like little, little bit of touch with the, uh, you, got, you, got, you got a, a little, little picture there behind, behind you and a bookcase. Book uh, and, and of course, that nice, nice, beautiful, beautiful uh, sailboat. So. So. <laughs> well done. There you go. <laughs> All right, Rodney, as it has been over the last couple of months, there's always something new, wild and crazy going on in the days between our shows, which we always want to cover to highlight the most important aspects of the week prior. Uh, let's, uh, let's start, start with, with possibly the most promising, uh, or maybe just a flash in the pan, pan kind of a distraction. I don't know I don't what to call it, but it's this Russian, Russian vaccine, Rodney, uh, a story from realhealthnews.com, and certainly all over the place, that Russia has announced that it has improved a vaccine against COVID-19, but it's been testing for only two months. Experts worry that a fast approval will the safety issues with the vaccine, apparently maybe the trial is not quite as wide going on as long, although, Rodney, uh, uh, President, President of Vladimir, Vladimir Putin, Putin did, did, did give, give the vaccine to his daughter, to his daughter showing a, a, a bit of confidence. confidence. What do you, what make, do you make of this Russian vaccine, vaccine thing? thing? Is it, could this, this be the one that, that we that all we end, all up, end using? up using? Oh, it certainly could, right? But would you try it today? Well, no, not today. Not today. <laughs> well, exactly, right? And so even if we get a vaccine that goes through FDA approval in six months, which is wildly short compared to what vaccines normally do, yeah, yeah. You're going to have a lot of Americans skeptical about taking it if it's, you know, this fall or winter or even next spring. Yeah, yeah. And I'm among them. I'm going to look at it and go, you know, I'm relatively healthy. I'm not in a risk group. So why would I do that? I should probably wait and let somebody else be the guinea pig, somebody who potentially has greater risk and greater need of it. Yeah, yeah. The fact that the Russians did this in a couple of months. Yeah, right. I'm not going to go take this darn thing. And so to your point. Is it possible that it's the thing? You bet it is. Is it likely that everybody's going to say, hey, Russians, y'all all take this first and give us, you know, two years and we'll see what happens to you. Yeah. And so what I think will happen is people like us Americans will look at it and go, great, do whatever you're going to do. We're going to keep walking <laughs> down the road with the FDA thing that we've got. And, you know, we'll see you at the other end. Yeah, yeah. Ronnie, Ronnie, I did, I did hear, hear uh, this uh, came out yesterday. yesterday. I'm not, I'm not sure, sure who said, said this, this, but uh, uh, that it, it was, was, it was some, some, some government officials saying that it was going to be the FDA, FDA uh, uh, saying that it was unlike, unlikely that um, an, an approval, approval, we get, get approval, approval, say, uh, before, before the election, election or something, something like that, that, that we're still, that we're still uh, uh, not, not even, I mean, this Russian thing, they're actually putting it out, out. Uh, but, but even just, just approval, approval stateside, stateside here, we're, 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 we're kind of, can't, can't put, put the cart before, before the horse, can we? Right, because you have to prove safety and efficacy, and in just a couple of months, it's really hard to prove safety. Efficacy, you can say, hey, look, it kind of, you know, did whatever. Uh, but to say that it's safe and it's not going to create other complications and make you subject to other things or I mean, it's just it's really hard to make that go fast. There's also uh, I, I, I also I say some of the reaction to this is just that stupid, 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 stupid Russia. Russia. Um, um, that, that seems, seems to be, to be the, the general. <laughs> general that's, that's, that's not, not my perspective, but it seems to be just, just missing it out, out of hand. Although, um, um, although I mean, you are granting that it could be the one, but we're going to need a long time there. I mean, I mean. Could you, Could you imagine, imagine 
don't want to phrase this. In other words, the suspicion of the Russian regime, basically, if you want to call it that, I think would maybe... I don't know if this one would ever really see the light of day in most Western countries or the United States. I think we probably want to have our own version or something, right? Well, I... We all want the fastest version because we want to stop this because it's, you know, killing our economies. Yeah, yeah. And when I, it's economies plural around the world. Let Don't discount the Russians, right? Don't discount the Chinese. There are a lot of smart people in a lot of smart places doing good things. Let's not forget that, you know, America went the path of the space shuttle. We might have sent the Russians the flawed space shuttle, which is why theirs kept blowing up because we knew that they were trying to get the plan. <laughs> but... Uh, when you look at what we did after we ended the space shuttle program, we flew American astronauts and payload on Soyuz rockets, their rockets, smart people. And so they do good work. And that's why I don't discount it and say it's not the one that would be silly. Uh, but to say that I would try it right now or I think people should go out and try and get it. Not me. I'd give it some more time. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I, I think there are other regimes around the world that discount safety. And uh, say, yeah, we're going to try this. And it's like, well, they might be right, but let them be the guinea pigs. Yeah, I, yeah, mean, I mean, so, so uh, another, another analogous would be, would be say, if this, if this came, came out of China, China or uh, a place like, like that, that, right? You'd, you'd be content, content maybe, maybe a little bit wait and see. It feels, it feels like, like we, we do have that, that bit of a bias. bias. It, doesn't it doesn't come from the United States, States UK, UK, you know, you France, France or Germany, Germany or something like that. We do kind of have that. Uh, that, uh, concern that concern there. That <laughs> <laughs> you call it a bias. It's for good reason, right? <laughs> if you if you look at the uh, the the record on you know treating humans well, the Russians and the Chinese don't rise to the top, and so we're we're much more interested in saying let's treat ourselves like Western Europeans or like Americans, right? Uh, because we we hopefully are trying to treat people the best, and uh, you know recognize human dignity in the condition versus what tends to happen in China and certainly in Russia. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Okay, so, okay let's, so let's move, let's move, move off of that because it, it doesn't seem, we're, we're just, just going to have to be waiting to see, see, but, but it, was it was important news, news and if it's surprising news, news, we'll see how that develops uh, in Russia. And see. Hopefully, hopefully those who are uh, taking it will not get too many more side effects and it does prove effective. Hey, this could be a nice surprise. Sorry, so let's move on to the, let's move on to vice presidential picks, Rodney. Joe Biden, Biden is selected, is selected after, after a little, little bit of a, of a delay. delay. It was, it was about, about a, a, two, two, about a two-week two week delay there. there. Uh, uh, and, and the pick, the pick is in, in, in it's Kamala Harris, Harris uh, senator, senator from, from, from California. California. Now, Ronnie, now, I, was I was going, going back. back. I mean, you, you and I had speculated on this. I was looking through our episodes and I couldn't quite find the quote or the conversation, rather. But I remember you and I had this and we laid down some predictions. And my prediction was Kamala Harris. And, uh, and uh, I, believe I believe you were looking, looking for more of a pick, pick uh, a, more, more of a swing, of a swing state, state kind of, kind of pick. pick. Uh, I, distinctly I distinctly remember that conversation. Well, it's before uh, Amy Klobuchar took her name out of the running. Okay, okay. I, I think she had uh, more to offer in terms of bringing in more people, uh, you know, the bigger tent theory. And this was before the whole George uh, Floyd thing, or right as uh, this was before George Floyd, I believe, uh, before his murder. And so what happened after that, of course, is. It went from Joe Biden, who specifically said, I'm going to pick a woman, uh, to a lot of pressure for him to pick a woman who is black. And so, I mean, it just it moved. And that's what he did. He moved with it. Uh, whether it's a smart move or a bad move or a great move or whatever, he went with the prevailing forces. Mm -hmm. 
And so uh, the short list was, um, oh, I believe it was Whitmer and, of course, Susan Rice yeah, yeah. Um, and a couple of others. Uh, but, you know, yeah, and, and, but Kamala Harris uh, was clearly, you know, on the stage, the national stage last year. She kind of got her name out there. Uh, she's got some things on her CV that make you scratch your head. You know, being a prosecutor makes her something of a top cop. <laughs> uh, in a world that is is not interested in cops uh, uh, from a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, I don't know, um, there, there's a lot to be said about it. It's really, really interesting, right? Um, but yeah, Kamala Harris, here, there she is. So, VP. Now, uh, uh, Obama, Obama advisor, advisor uh, David, David Axelrod, Axelrod said that, that uh, Kamala, Kamala Harris wasn't, wasn't Biden's, Biden's top, top choice, choice uh, uh, and, and uh, picked, uh, picked her because, because of political, political optics, which I find interesting. Now, now, um, uh, as, as I told, I told our, our group here earlier, earlier uh, uh, I believe two, two days, two days ago, ago, is that, that Kamala, Kamala Harris, Harris and uh, Kamala, Kamala Harris is absolutely a, a Democrat, Democratic establishment candidate, candidate uh, along uh, with Joe Biden. Biden. I, find I find that very interesting, interesting that the that ticket, ticket we get, we get uh, was, uh, was much, much, very much like 2016, another establishment, establishment choice. choice. Um, uh, I guess the party is not quite ready to put somebody a little bit more visionary, I guess. You want to you say because uh, the, the establishment, establishment loves Kamala Harris, Harris. Silicon, Silicon Valley, Valley, Wall Street. Wall Street we're hearing, hearing nothing, nothing about that over the past, past couple of days. days. Uh, Does that, that jive with, with your impression? impression? No, that's I. I find that to be a farce. They're 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 fawning over um, Kamala Harris because she was picked, right? I, I don't care who was picked as the vice president for Joe Biden. Uh, he said he was going to pick a woman, so I believe he was going to pick a woman. It moved to where everyone expected him to pick a black woman, so I think he was going to. The media was going to fawn over that choice no matter who it was. <laughs> okay. and, and it just is what it yeah, is, yeah. right? I'm not, I, I, I can't imagine that the mainstream media was going to pick apart whomever was chosen for that slot. I just don't see it. Um, Wall Street loves her uh, because... She's pragmatic. You say she's an establishment. I wonder how you make that distinction because she moves, right? She loved the Green Deal until it turned out people hated parts of it and then she didn't like the Green Deal. And then she said we needed you know, public health care until some people pushed back. And then she said, well, maybe not public health care. And so the point is, I don't. I have not seen a list of things that she has been hard and fast on. You know, she's. I haven't seen her be an ideologue on, on certain things okay, okay. or against certain things. She moves. And so Wall Street's thrilled that they didn't get someone who was dead set on a tax on financial transactions. And yes, that's an Elizabeth Warren or somebody who is going to come in and say, you have to have X people of, of Y pedigree on your boards and all these other things. That's what Wall Street's thrilled about. And Silicon Valley's thrilled because she was out there. Those are her supporters. Those are her donors. Yeah, yeah. And so she knows them. And so, uh, you know, people on both coasts got a little something that they wanted out of this. So, oh, so it's a little, a little bit, bit hard, hard to pin down, down then. Huh? A, a bit of a, 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 a chameleon, chameleon, I guess, I guess you want to call it that. Because if you look, if you look uh, on govtrack.us, uh, where they sort of rate all the, they rate voting records and then, of course, by, or the, by ideology. According to govtrack.us, Kamala Harris is the most liberal senator. Uh, more, uh, so more so than, than Bernie, Bernie Sanders, Sanders Rodney. Rodney. She, 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 uh, according uh, to her, I, again, what, what are they going to base that on? She's a first-term senator. Oh, voting. Right, There's right, not right. a piece of legislation with her name on it. The thing that people know her for is her slam of Joe Biden in the um, debates last uh, year uh, and her being particularly 
aggressive with Brett Kavanaugh. <laughs> yes. That's one, that one way, way to get it. it. <laughs> well, and so you look at it, and, and so I name me a piece of legislation that she has championed that is way out there to the progressive side that actually, you know, did something. And so she was I, I it's just not there is my point. And so uh, I, I think it's um, misleading to say that she is the most liberal um, because all you have to do to get that score is vote against the Republicans every time on things that came up in a Senate where you knew you were going to lose because you were in the minority. That's pretty easy to do. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. So, that, so that, 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 I mean, that, that would, would be one of the criteria. Co-sponsors, what you vote for, what you vote against. Yeah, if you always vote against Republicans, if you don't co-sponsor, vote with the Republican ever. That kind of thing. And that's why that's why John McCain was considered so moderate. Just just to give an example, because he did a lot of co-sponsorships with Democrat senators, that kind of thing. Right, a lot across the aisle, which Joe Biden did too over the life of his career. And so I'm not... I'm not taking um, a lot of you know shots at Kamala Harris. That's not what this is. I'm saying that there's not a lot of data on what she has done or stood for because the big planks that she had in her platform as she was making her bid for uh, the nomination, she tend to change her mind on. So it is what it is. She's pragmatic. Uh, Ronnie, uh, Ronnie, this, this will, will come, come up, up a little, a little bit, bit more. more. Um, I think, I think it, and it, it was it's certainly been floated by the media, media a lot. Um, um, this, this idea, idea and there's and a story, this is not, not well, many, 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 many such stories. stories. Uh, uh, here's, here's, here's two examples. examples. One, one, I saw, I saw a, a, a poll put out uh, for, for the 2020 Democrat primary. I know we're thinking way ahead here. But Joe Biden's name was not on that list, curiously. There was a story out of CNN from Chris Saliza, I believe, who said, Kamala, Kamala Harris, Harris is uh, the, the most well-prepared uh, candidate uh, to, uh, take to take over if, if and when Joe Biden steps aside. It seems like the media is really setting us up here, but Biden has maybe no intention of even going through his four years if he, if he gets elected. That this is basically we're selecting a vice president to, to step in and become president, possibly without even uh, before even the election happens in 2024. I'm getting a lot of strong smoke signals on that. What do you make of that? I think it's a lot of strong smoke of something, right? <laughs> um, so I, I can't imagine anyone running for president and saying, I'm going to do this so that I can step aside. Um, that's small town politics stuff. Joe Biden has wanted to be president for a long, long time. Going back to my college days in the 80s, where there was a bit of a swirl around Joe Biden who did run for president, but might have mischaracterized some things on his resume. Uh, and so you, you come all the way is that <laughs> maybe and so and, and I think there was something about where he was in law school when he graduated but I I don't worry about such things but I think Joe Biden has wanted to be president a long time and I think this is his shot and he's pretty excited about it and he intends to be president but I think a lot of people are looking at the reality of the fact that Joe Biden is 78 years old and Joe Biden running right now is different from Joe Biden running in 2024 for the 2024 election and being 82, 83 years old. And so this is going to be an interesting thing, not this election cycle, but like you say, the next one. And it's unusual for somebody to run for just one term. That's the thing about stepping aside. And so the idea that he would say, you know what, I've done one term, I'm a little older, maybe I had a health scare, maybe something else. And then he steps aside and Kamala Harris becomes the de facto leader of the Democratic Party, and then she runs and potentially has eight years, and so the Democrats carry for 12. I think that's what people are talking about, and it looks very logical, right? They have to win, but it looks very logical.
Now, now what, what if, if so, so? I mean, should this become, become a, a, a campaign, campaign issue, issue? Uh, with, uh, Biden, with Biden here? Or maybe getting it nailed down. down? I mean, what's, what's your, your intention, intention? Uh, uh, Vice President Biden, Biden here? When, if if, if, if went elected, elected, shouldn't he, he have to answer those questions? questions? Uh, of course, and he will. Right. The first one's going to be, "Hey, you're 78 years old. What's going to happen in four years if you're feeling a little old or have have a heart scare or whatever?" And his answer is going to be very clear emphatically i am here for the duration blah 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 exactly what you would expect people to say and then everybody's going to move on and and and, and, but to that point people are going to be thrilled uh people who are supporting the ticket uh because they want kamala harris right they they want that that person in there who's going to be a solid candidate who has you know the the gravitas to run for the next eight years after that yeah yeah uh but the, but voters, the voters really, really like, like her? her? I don't know. I mean, she, she dropped, dropped out of the, out of the, out of the uh, primary race long before, before they even, uh, or, or shortly, shortly after, after the first, first couple of debates, debates right? right? I mean, I mean she, she, didn't, she, didn't she didn't last, last very, very long. long. Well, I, I think that's misleading in that uh, you, you didn't go out and have her on a national ticket with a lot of money behind her to get her well-known. She was competing against other people who were very charismatic and had, you know, some talking points and, and um, some ability to draw. Elizabeth Warren was really taking up a lot of the space back then. Bernie Sanders, of course, was on fire. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Pete Buttigieg was was there. We, we don't even talk about him anymore. And he was the leader in the room, right? <laughs> the guy was a front runner coming out of Iowa. And so there, there were a lot of reasons why she dropped out. And one of them being she was so pragmatic that there wasn't that, you know, going to stand on this and die on this hill thing, uh, which, you know, hurt her back then. But kind of helps as a VP. You don't want the VP taking all the all the light from you. Right. You, you don't want them uh, blotting out the sun of the presidential candidate. Great, Great points. All right, All right, let's, let's move, move on, on to something, something that we were, we were hinting, hinting at and talking, talking about last week, week which, uh, which, which, which came, came over last weekend, weekend which, which was the, the impasse in Congress uh, on coronavirus relief. Uh, uh, two sides could not come up with an agreement. That's something that we were talking about. about as we said, hey, uh, the, the president could come up with his own plan. Dave, I lost you on audio. Can you not hear me? Can you hear me? Hello? Um, <laughs> looks like we're having, having a problem, problem here. Can you hear me, Rodney? Well, I don't have your audio, but I'm going to talk about that point you were bringing up. Can you still hear me, Dave? So you were talking about the impasse in Congress yep, yep. over the next stimulus bill. And I was surprised. I didn't think this was going to happen. I thought the two sides would come to something. And instead, what we got was both sides apparently giving Americans the finger uh, because here we are with them going home for the recess and President Trump issued the executive order for $400 in federal um, unemployment bonus checks. But that's $300 from the federal government and 100 from states. And so will that actually happen? I don't know. It's so difficult in how it's going to have to be put out there um, that it might. But at least it's something. And so this is... Uh, this is the bomb, right, that could explode in somebody's face, be it the Republicans or the Democrats. The Republicans weren't willing to come all the way up to the Democrats, but they did float that idea of a skinny bill with just the unemployment benefits um, as you know, well as a couple of other pieces. And the Democrats refused. And so I, I think this could be a real issue if it comes to pass. And then there's the idea about cutting the payroll tax. Frankly, I don't know how that's going to happen. You and I talked about that. Uh, the president cannot cut the payroll tax. 
the president can tell the IRS not to collect the payroll tax, which they can do, but that doesn't alleviate the burden. Businesses still owe it. I mean, technically, we as workers owe it, but it comes through businesses. And so what are they going to do? Not collect it? And then somebody quits or, or gets fired or whatever. And then in January, it turns out they owe it. So they go have to you know, get it back. And so the, the payroll tax is a crazy one. I don't know how they go about that other than employers holding it for employees and then potentially providing those employees a bonus check in January. That, that's all I can think would happen because Congress is the one who would have to forgive that tax that's due or that tax burden. And they can't even get it together to send out the, you know, the minimal relief package, much less a payroll tax. Well, well, thank you, Ronnie, for, for breaking that down. It looks like we, we have an audio, audio issue here, so it remains to be seen how, this, uh, how these Trump, Trump executive orders are going to uh, shake themselves out. out. Let's, Let's hope, hope uh, that, uh, that both Republicans and Democrats, Democrats could come together. It seems like they're on some sort of a recess over the next couple of weeks. So they said Mitch McConnell, I believe Pelosi said they could call them back if they needed to. Should there be should there be an agreement that they need to vote on? But since Rodney can't hear me, we're going to go ahead and close this out. I want to thank you all for for watching. watching. Yeah, Hang on, I got you oh, back. Oh, he's got oh, me back. back. Okay, okay, so we so don't, don't have to end it. All right, I was going to wrap up. up. What, did, what, some, did, 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 did a cord pop, pop off, off right or something? something? It was a cliffhanger. <laughs> it was a cliffhanger. So. <laughs> okay, okay, so, so we're, we're back. So, yeah, so we're not seeing... What about this... There was a couple of things beyond the payroll tax. Of course, there was the thing about evictions over the end of the year, student loans over the end of the year. And as I was mentioning here, the Congress and... I'm sorry, Congress and the Senate... The House and the Senate seemed to be at an impasse right now, and they all went home for a couple of weeks. It seemed like McConnell said that they can call them back for a vote, and assuming Pelosi as well. But is there any chance of coming up some agreement, agreement. Just, to just to codify, codify maybe, maybe these, these. I mean, it, I mean, seems, it seems like, like they, they wanted, wanted the, the things that, that Trump, Trump came up with. Um, um, most, most of the most of Congress, I think, would, would agree with except maybe the payroll tax. I mean, a lot of the stuff, student loan deferment for the year, eviction for the year, unemployment insurance. Maybe they'll change the four hundred dollars a week to something, but maybe just put it into law so it's sitting there as an executive order. Yeah. So he doesn't need the president. Doesn't need them to. Pass a law or, or any legislation to for the federal uh, student loan program, which is what you're talking about, uh, because essentially saying, "Hey, don't collect it," which is what he's doing. He hasn't changed the amount that's due, other than saying we're also not charging interest, uh, and he doesn't need it to keep the moratorium on uh, foreclosures or evictions on properties that are backed by a loan that is insured by the federal government. It's really all about that money. It's about that federal bonus check. That's kind of the thing, mm -hmm. and so he needs them for that. Um, because the idea that he's taking money out of FEMA to move it over there because he's calling this uh, a national emergency doesn't fit with the facts. Uh, the, the way that law was written and the authority was given to uh, the president is you have to be facing essentially a threat uh, from another country, a dire threat. And to say that this is a dire threat, it, it's difficult. I, I get it. It's, it's bad. And our unemployment rate is 10.2%. And we've got, you know, Roughly 28.3 million people collecting uh, continuing claims. But we've got 160 million people working and we got a lot of people with cash. And so this is not going to kill the U.S. economy. It, it's not. It's harmful, but it doesn't kill it. And so I, I think that if he was challenged on that uh, in court, that he would lose. Uh, but there again, it would be after, you know, after it's done. It would be after the fact. And frankly, I think he should be challenged in court. Uh, this is the same kind of challenge that the Republicans did to the Obama administration 
when it moved money around to pay for Obamacare and the Republican Congress said, hey, wait a second, you can't do that. You've overstepped your bounds because the power of the purse is the thing that keeps Congress in control. And over roughly the past 60 years, 70 years, we have seen Congress continually allow power to move to the executive branch because they don't want to do their job. They don't want to legislate because it's hard. It's much easier for them to stand up and yeah. you know complain and yell and scream versus yeah. actually reaching a compromise and taking the arrows. And so instead what happens is the person who's in power says, okay, we're going to do X and then you know basically challenges them to call him on it. And so that's where we are. I think they should call them because I would love to see power back in Congress instead of in the Oval Office because it's better for all of us. And frankly, we would actually have hold them accountable to do their stupid job. And so that's <laughs> that's what we should see. Agree 100%. 100%. Thanks, Thanks so much, buddy. I'm glad you were, you were here, here to, to, wrap to wrap that up. up. Uh, I, I want to hit a couple, couple little things. things a couple, couple of stories uh, on Ford American. Is this a Tesla, Tesla killer. killer. American-built American lucid, lucid air goes 500 miles per charge. charge. I know this is a space you watch, you watch a lot. Uh, certainly Tesla and the advancement of battery technology. Talk about this car a little bit here for all of us who haven't heard of this thing. It's a pretty awesome looking car. Sure um, and so it's a sedan and they say that they have been rated by an independent testing company at I think 518 miles on a charge, which is a fabulous thing. But the darn car is more than a hundred thousand bucks. Yeah, yeah. And so we're, we're not in the space right yet. But I'll tell you, after I wrote that story, Cadillac came out with an SUV that goes 300 miles on a charge, similar to a Tesla, um, that should be out by 2022. That is sixty thousand right, dollars, right. and so way into the range. Um, I, I still think a lot of this is pipe dream stuff. There's two things of note in the electric space or electric vehicle space that I'm watching. One of them is pickup trucks. Um, there's the Badger truck out there that I think goes six hundred miles, but that that's not really what it does. It's three hundred miles on battery and three hundred miles on hydrogen. If you thought it was tough to find a place to charge your battery, find a place to get hydrogen for your car. Exactly. And so I, I don't know about that. The real thing is Volkswagen. It's been Volkswagen for a long time. Yes, I am a fan of the Porsche Taycan. That electric car is smoking hot. But it's like 180000 yeah, bucks. Yeah. If Volkswagen can get their ID3 series out the door, it has some software issues, they're going to put essentially an electric car that looks a lot like an old Volkswagen Golf out there for people to buy that's going to be affordable and it's going to be practical. And I mean, it's it's the best case, right? And then it's all about charging. How comfortable are you having to wait to get your car charged? Um, oddly, there was a story this morning on this. Uh, there's a taxi company in, uh, I think, the Netherlands that is going to use a couple of Jaguar I-Pace vehicles as tests when they're waiting, um, idling, right, um, they're going to idle on charging pads that they literally just park on top oh, of. Oh, no, nice. That's an idea that's been out there a long time. For anybody that has an iPhone where you can set it on the pad and charge it, it's the same prim- principle. And so if you can imagine that in your garage where you just pull in each night and, you know, it charges your car, that's got some value. Well, what does that, that has cost? A lot more- <laughs> what does <what, what, laughs> that charge pad cost? Well, Exactly. It has a lot more value, not there, but at parking garages. Think airports, think your office building, think whatever. Mm -hmm. And so uh, there's there's a lot of value in that sort of thing. But 
we're, we're still a long ways off. We're still a couple of percentage points of vehicles in China. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, another thing. I'm thinking of Tesla. We're trying, trying to go a little bit more downscale, down you know, to $30,000. And, and that just seemed to seem fail. To fail. Um, um, we're, we're, we're all, I mean, how, how far, far away are we, are we from, from, you know, this, know, competing, this competing with, with your uh, Honda Accord, your Toyota Camry kind of a car? Where are we? How far off are we? Would you guesstimate? Are we from that? You mean in time? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, so you need five years, you five years, need a couple years. of things. You need you need um, you need some more breakthrough in battery, and I think you're probably ten years away from the cost being okay, there. Okay. Uh, but you need uh, it's that rapid charging thing, and then you need the availability of charging stations that can match. Just think of how long it took for us to get gas stations on every corner. We're talking a century, so. <laughs> I mean, that's a long time. And so it won't take that long, of course, to get charging stations everywhere or, or make them available enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but to your point, Tesla hasn't broken this code. Tesla's offering a car. They make some money on it. Tesla loses money. The company doesn't make money. Their profit comes from selling zero emission vehicle credits to other companies. They are making a little bit of cash because you and I force this system through government mandate and Tesla's able to sell credits. It is not about the way they sell cars. Interesting, interesting, interesting math, math there, how it all works, works and yet they're more valuable, valuable uh, the most valuable, valuable car, company car company in the world, in the world aren't, aren't they? they? Uh, yes, and they're more valuable than many other car companies put together. <laughs> so, who knew? <laughs> That's a crazy, <laughs> crazy world. <laughs> uh, well, uh, although, although the one, the good, one thing good thing is, thing is that, that they are able to send, send uh, rockets, rockets up to space, space, which apparently which our, 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 our own uh, NASA, NASA has been struggling with. So, I don't know what to make of that. Uh, yeah, they're doing some cool things, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, certainly. certainly. Uh, Rodney, uh, Rodney, do you have any other uh, small items, items on your plate for this week that you want to bring up to everybody? Yeah, there's a couple in higher education, and uh, one of them is a story on Harvard. They announced that they see a 20% drop in the number of people who are uh, coming in as freshmen, uh, which means that 20% of their freshman class has chosen to defer until next year. And 40% of the people who normally live on campus have chosen not to show up or live there on campus. And so what you're seeing is a big, you know, uh, scoop being taken out of Harvard. And nobody's worried about Harvard, which has a $40 billion endowment. But just imagine that rolling down the system as to other universities who might be seeing a lot of deferments this year as people go, you know what, if I'm not going in person, I don't want to go at all. And so that that could be very interesting. And at the same time, uh, there was uh, the Department of Justice yesterday issued a, um, a decision that Yale has actually been discriminating by race against Asians and white applicants and saying that it was many times more difficult for them to get in. And they gave Yale two weeks to change the way they do this and come up with a plan or else the DOJ is going to file a lawsuit against them. Uh, I don't want to go too, too far, far down, down into, into the, the rabbit hole. It, it is interesting, interesting to see what happens with that, that discrimination, discrimination issue. issue. But just, just to go, go back, back a bit to... to uh, 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 to, to students, students basically, basically not, not showing, showing up or, or deferring their enrollment, that sort of thing. Education has been one of the spaces that people have been calling for disruption, reform, could, could this, this be, be the opportunity, opportunity for that, that kind of a structural, structural reform in the education, education system, system running, or, or will it just be a, a little bit of pain, pain now, now, and then we'll, we'll go back, back to normal? Oh, I think it's going to be some reform, maybe not as much as people want. Um, I, my three kids have gone through college. The youngest is a rising senior. And so we've seen it. And, and all of us who went to college know this, right? Online, you can get the information from a professor, yeah, yeah. but it does not replace that in-person experience you have, what you get from being with other people in the room, your classmates, right, right. 
what you get from just, you know, the general sense of how things are going and the understanding. You can't replace it with an online meeting. It doesn't work. And so uh, to say that workers can be productive online, it's like they're already trained, right? You're expecting them to do a job that they're trained to do and go about their task as written. Learning a new thing is very different. And then you get into the labs and the on-hand things that you have to do. And so uh, I think what you're going to see is this uh, break in education where there are some things that you do online, that freshman English class with 700 people, right? Why are you in the room watching your phone when you could be at home doing the same thing um, versus the higher classes? The question is, what's the price breakdown going to be? Because universities are not set up for this. I absolutely not. And so it's going to be um, an incredible reckoning to see universities uh, have a much lower use of their space. And as I wrote, guess what? Reality's showing up. The future is here. The first thing they ought to do is look through their list of administrators and figure out how many of them they don't need. And the second is make the tenured professors actually teach, right? Yeah, yeah. And so there, there's a lot of things they can do to uh, make their, their uh, offerings more efficient, and they're going to be forced to. And it's about that, time. That, agree 100%. 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100